Awesome. We've been uh, working on a series through Fruit of the Spirit, and this will be the third message in that series. If you could throw that up there, Jesse, that'd be awesome. And we get to talk about uh, the subject of joy today. It's kind of weird because it's just kind of blah, right? This weather, it's getting cold, and I see next week's going to be like minus 10, and I had to scrape my window this morning. Yeah, and the time change. It's going to get dark at four, but November is actually my least favorite month of the year. I got <clears throat> to figure something out because can't do a lot outside. There's not snow, enough snow to go skiing or snowmobiling, and it's too cold to like do other stuff. But anyways, <clears throat> we're talking about joy, so change the subject. Let's be. All right. <laughs> Our passage says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so uh, this is the third message, and uh, today we're going to talk about the subject of joy. And uh, to talk about joy, we're going to define it a little bit here, and especially define it in terms of um, the difference between joy and happiness. In both Scripture and those outside of Scripture who study this kind of thing will say that there is a definite difference between joy and happiness. And if you see the list of the fruits of the Spirit, you don't see happiness in there, but you do see joy. Uh, most people describe happiness as being very external, de de dealing with circumstances. They can sort of come and go. Where joy is much more internal, it's more of a soul thing, a deep inward kind of thing. And we see that even, uh, especially in the Greek language, where the scriptures, New Testament was written in Greek. And in, in Greek, the idea of happiness actually comes from being rich and not having to worry about all the things that the poor worry about. So it's, it's very much about money and, you know, kind of an easier life, this idea of happiness, where in the Greek, joy is a soul thing. It is something deep that happens within you despite what is going on in the world or what month it is or whatever it is. It is something deeper. And so that's the, the idea of, of joy is, is much deeper. And here's just a couple comparisons. Uh, joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the face. Joy is of the soul. Happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends. Happiness reacts. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Joy endears hardship and connects with meaning and purpose. Happiness disappears when life gets hard. And uh, one of the interesting things about joy is um, folks who study these kind of topics and emotions, um, like Brene Brown, uh, actually says that joy is one of the, the, the hardest emotions often to express and to really sit with. Which is interesting because I think if we all said, hey, would you want more joy in our lives? We'd all we'd be like, yeah, I totally want to be more joyful because life is hard at times. But it's actually the most difficult and vulnerable of emotions. As Brene Brown says, joy is the most vulnerable emotion we experience. And if you can't, cannot tolerate joy, what you do is start dress rehearsing tragedy. And, and folks who study this trace this, you know, a lot just to do with 
you know, we, we watch a lot of TV and a lot of movies, and, and there's always tragedy and hard things going on, and you watch the news, and, you know, there's crappy stuff going on, and, and, and we experience that in our own life, and we're so well used to this idea that things don't always go well, that, that when we start to feel joyful, we often kind of get a little bit afraid that, oh, well, this is not going to last very long, so I better not enjoy it, or, you know, the rug's going to be pulled out from under me, and, and so we kind of run from joy a little bit. And, and we have these ideas in our mind, um, and Brene Brown kind of tells a story of, you know, uh, you know, picture a movie. You sit down to go watch a movie, and, you know, it's kind of an opening scene, maybe a Christmas scene, and there's a, you know, a family driving in their car, and, you know, they're singing Christmas carols, and they're heading to, you know, to a relative's house, and it's such a, a joyous moment. It's filled with joy and happiness, and, and all of a sudden, you know, as they go around this winter corner, the uh, corner, the, 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 the movie pans to a semi-truck coming down the other way, and, you know, he's drinking, and, and all of a sudden, you know, what you, what's going to happen, right? You know, a crash or something. That's just what we kind of expect to happen because, you know, we're kind of saturated with this idea that joy doesn't last or that joy is you know, come, come, going to come crashing in on us, so you better not enjoy it too much. I mean, we can believe that joy is a rare luxury and therefore out of reach. Or we can believe that the rug could be pulled out from under us at any time, so we don't welcome joy because it only leads to disappointment. And so there's a part of us that it, it's a very vulnerable, because I, I better not enjoy this too much in case it doesn't last, or I better not enjoy it too this because I'm going to get my hopes up too much and then something bad's going to happen. And, 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 and we can actually be afraid of joy, even though we, we want it so much. Uh, there can be a fear of joy even... Uh, from sort of negative religion, if you kind of grew up in maybe uh, a more conservative setting of Christianity or some sort of religion where it's like, don't be, don't, don't smile, <laughs> you know, don't be too happy because God doesn't want you happy. He wants to be miserable and you got to sacrifice and you better, you know, you know, it's all about obedience and you got to walk around looking like you're sucking sour lemons and then you're more spiritual kind of a thing, you know. And so we get afraid of joy. Well, I better not, if I'm too happy inside or too have too much joy, then there must be, I must be doing something wrong. I must not be sacrificing enough. And so we kind of fear joy or we fear just being vulnerable about joy. So I, you know, a lot of folks, you know, it's like, I'm not going to dance because I don't want someone seeing me dancing because it's very vulnerable to express joy. And so I, some people don't smile a lot because it's a very vulnerable thing to express joy. And so we, we can pull back a little bit uh, with joy. And this is why some people, when you talk about the opposite of joy, and a lot of people say, well, it's sadness, but uh, some people say the opposite of joy is actually fear. You fear the rug being pulled out of it. You fear that this isn't going to last, and so I can't be joyful. Or I fear looking silly, or I fear, you know, if I you know, start doing something that's too joyful, I fear that I'm going to look foolish. And so, or I fear maybe God is going to get me if I'm... It, it, the opposite of joy often is fear, and that's why we need to dwell into the, to the love and the goodness of God, because perfect love casts out all fear, and that leads to more joy. And so, just a good question, I guess, as we begin is, is joy something you actually fear? Is joy something that you feel very vulnerable about? If it begins to bubble up, then you kind of want to push it back down, because that's not what God wants. God wants you to be overwhelmed with, with joy. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about the partnership of joy today, because when you look at the scriptures, joy is presented in two different ways. One is that it's something that God does in you. 
And on the other hand, it's something that, that we partner with God to allow that to, to be released in our life. And so in the fruit of the Spirit, this, this is very much God's part. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the second one is joy. This is the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God working in us. This is something that God does. This is not something we do. I mean, it's very much like, you know, a fruit tree, you know, and when it's fruiting season, you don't see fruit trees out there, you know, struggling and fighting, you know, an apple, come on, apple, make an apple. It just, just naturally happens. And so with our lives, God is producing this fruit in us, and it just naturally happens. And so this is the idea of the fruit of the Spirit. But on the other hand, um, God actually tells us to rejoice. He tells us to walk in joy. And so there's something that we have to do, and there's something that God does. And when you really see these two realities and allow them to work together, uh, I really do I can believe it'll help us walk in deeper joy. And so let's start with... with God's part, his work in us. Uh, Jesus said this interesting thing in John 15. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And, and so right away we see that he is talking about his joy in us. And so this is God's part. He didn't say, you know, so that your joy may grow. It's like, no, he said, I'm going to have my joy in, in us and it is such an incredible joy. He said it's a complete joy. And he said in John 16 that no one will take away your joy. And in case we think he just kind of made a word slip, he says it again in John 16, 24, that our joy will be complete. And that fascinates me because, man, I'd like more joy. I'd like more complete joy. Um, I don't want to have to work so hard for joy. And, and so he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. And, and I think the key to this little phrase is, is this. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so the obvious question is, well, what in the world did he just say? Because I want to know. <laughs> Something to do with what he said helps us with joy. And it gets a little complicated because he just had two full chapters of talking and so, well, like, what is it? You know, what part of that is it? And, 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 and I think it really boils down to, uh, at least partly, to this idea of the presence of God in our lives. And if you roll back to the previous chapter, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that it, uh, uh, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. It's a little confusing, but he's talking about, you know, being together with God. And, you know, this phrase is often used talking about, you know, heaven or something like that. You know, God's going to prepare some mansion up in heaven for us in the future. But, I mean, most theologians realize that God's not talking about heaven so much. He's talking about actually our current reality. He's talking about the here and now. He's talking about this very moment that that he says, I'm going to come back to be uh, and take you to be with me so that you be, may be where I am. It's about this, this connection we have. It's about this transition you know, phrase where it moves from this place where God lived in temples to now he's actually living in us. And later on in John 14, he says, we, and this is talking about the, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we will come to them, that's talking about us, 
and make our home with them. So it's not about us going away. Jesus is actually talking about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit actually moving into our lives, that we actually become God's home. He, he lives in us. It, it becomes his, his house, his temple, where God was always thought of to live in temples, and people built temples for God, and you always had to go to the temple to meet with God. Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is the new reality. This is this reality that, that God's actually moving into your house, into your being, and wherever you are, God is going to be. Whether you're up on a mountain or down in a valley or things are going good or bad or whatever you are, God is in your house and He's not leaving your house. Uh, he is with you. And even when you're faithless, He is faithful. And even when you try to push Him away, he, he tries to, He's there because He's in your house and He's not moving out. He goes on to say in John 14, You know Him, talking about the Holy Spirit, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you because I live, you also will live. On that day, and this is, that day is this, the current reality of today, after the work of Jesus on the cross, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And we've talked a lot about this verse, but this is so key. This connection, this idea of God living in us and He's so wired into our being and so connected with us that, that Jesus says that, that, that He is in the Father and that, that we are in Him and, and, and you know, He is in us. And it's, it's, it's like a blender of things. You can't even mix that up and you know, separate the two. That God is so a part of our lives. He has so moved into our home that this is reality that God is always with us. And no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, God is there. I always relate this to joy because we know that the Bible talks about God being like the fullness of joy. Just as He is love, the very nature of love, He is also the fullness of joy. And His presence, there is fullness of joy. And again, John 15, He talks about, Jesus says, my joy is going to be in you. And so we have this being who is complete love and complete joy. He is he's living in us right now saturating our being, uh, holding us together because Jesus is in the Father and we're in Jesus and He's in us and you can't even untangle how that even works. So wherever you are, you are actually filled in this very moment by a God who loves you but also a God who is absolute joy. It's, it's right there. It's in us. Wherever we are, there's, there's this joy that we don't have to go, go searching for. In fact, this, I like to look at it this way because it helps me understand that the presence of God we just can't escape the presence of God. And, and this is from inter Interesting Engineering. It says, Every human on the planet, on planet Earth, is made up of millions and millions of atoms, which all are 99, and that's actually 99.999 empty space. If you were to remove all the empty space contained in every atom and every person on the planet Earth and compress this all together, then the overall volume of our particles would be smaller than a sugar cube. So you take everybody on this whole planet and you could pack us into a sugar cube if you could take away all that stuff between all the little atoms and stuff. It's kind of weird to think about, but I tried to check this in multiple places. Like, yeah, we're 99.999% like just kind of nothing or energy or whatever that is. And, and you know, my kind of theory, whether it's right or wrong, but it helps me understand the presence of God is in Colossians it says that in Jesus, all things hold together. That, that all this empty space that we are mostly 99.99 is, is the presence of God. It's why no matter where you go, God is. Because 
He's just this loving energy, this loving being that is just everywhere and every. And so right now, 99.999% of me is actually is, is God in the sense that his presence is in him. All things hold together. He's holding my being together and he's holding your being together. And so there's this reality that, that 99.99% of me is, is the love of God. And 99.999% of me is, is the joy of God. And it's only this point zero 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 one of me that, that kind of gets in the way of that. <laughs> I've seen that joy and that love really released in, in our being. Um, and, and there's a sense, as Jesus said, it says Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense that this is true with you and me. That we are actually full of love and joy through the Holy Spirit in us. Because the scriptures say he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's moved in. We become the very home of God. He is holding all our cells and molecules together. And we are actually very much tied in with love and joy in this moment. And, uh, but the thing with God is he, he doesn't control us. He doesn't force us to do anything. He, you know, sometimes I was like, God, would you control things a little more? Would you force me to do things a little more? But he is very, very gentle. And he respects our free will. And, and even though there's 99.9% of you know, God saturated in, in, in around us, that, that, that sometimes that point zero zero one when I'm not partnering with that, can get in the way of recognizing that joy and that love that, that is actually in us. And this joy that God gives us, surprisingly, is it really fits the definition of joy that supposedly, when you're really partnering with it, that circumstantially it shouldn't weigh us down all you know, a ton. I mean, we, we see these testimonies of these folks in scriptures who, you know, say things like this, in all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. For when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, uh, you know, conflicts on the outside. Maybe I missed something. Anyway, uh, there are a lot of trouble. <laughs> and yet he says, my joy knows no bounds. This, this can only come from partnering with this joy that God is in us. Because this is not a natural thing in all our troubles. And it's not the only place. In, in 2 Corinthians 8, it says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Or 2 Corinthians 6, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. And that's the kind of joy I want because that seems a bit more realistic. Because <laughs> life can be hard and there's troubles and things don't always work out the way we want. But, but these folks are testifying like, I have this incredible joy in me despite all the hard things that are going on around me. And that can only be God's joy at work in them. These people who are, are partnering with this joy that's already present in them, the love that is already present in them through the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because, because Jesus is in the Father and we are in Jesus and He is in us and it's so wrapped up and He's holding us together. I mean, there is this reality of joy and love. It, we're saturated in it. And sometimes it's getting our minds and our hearts to, to kind of partner into that and dive a little deeper into that in in greater ways and and that has to do with you know becoming more aware of his presence like that song we sang let us become more aware of his presence because we lose that sometimes i mean god is so very present but when things start to go downhill we can we can lose that presence and we get so focused on on, on things rather than on the presence of god in our lives i wrote this you don't have to hunt for joy or even search for it it's already there in god's presence so allow joy to live alongside whatever else you're experiencing 
You can wel welcome it into the messiness of your life. And that seems to be what some of those folks in the scriptures were saying. You know, despite all the troubles, I, I have this joy. My heart aches, but I'm overwhelmed with joy that it's not just something like an either or, that somehow in the midst of this, they're, they're allowing God's joy to come into that difficult situation. They're allowing God's joy to partner with the messiness of whatever they're dealing with. And, and, and they're acknowledging it and being aware of it and reminding themselves of this joy that God is and that God is in, in us. Now let's talk about our part, this, this partner with joy. And so God's part is the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, just by the fact that He is a joyful being and He's in us. And we're also asked to partner with this as like 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And this is just a beautiful picture of how to partner with God to increase joy. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. We don't thank God for things that, you know, the enemy has done. We don't thank God for death and for stealing and killing and, and horrible things that happen in our life because, you know, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We're not, oh God, I thank you for Satan. I mean, that seems weird. Um, but in those circumstances where maybe the enemy is pressing down and you can look for things to be thankful for. And again, you can start with your heartbeat and breath and, and the presence of God. But this text here, rejoice always and give thanks is not only a reality shown in Scripture, but it's actually a reality backed up in science. And the awesome thing is they have actually kind of scientifically proven <laughs> that we can increase our joy by actually just being thankful and practicing thanksgiving. One Benedict monk said this, It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that makes us joyful. And sometimes we think it's, it's the opposite of this, that, you know, if I just can find joy and if I can just get some happiness, then I'll have things to be thankful for. And then, you know, I'll be filled with gratitude. But they've actually shown through, you know, thousands and thousands of studies that, that if you practice gratitude, you will experience more joy. In, in doing that, you're partnering with the joy that God is already in you. Uh, and this can be a hard statement, but, you know, science has shown this, that, that, that joy is actually a choice we can make. I mean, we just like, you know, exercise, we could choose to exercise and be more physically healthy, or we could choose not to exercise and be less physically healthy. That's, you know, it's pretty much proven. It kind of works that way. They've also shown that with joy, that if you enter into a practice of thanksgiving, it's correlated with increased joy. If you don't practice Thanksgiving, it is correlated with less joy. And there's nobody better to talk about this than Brene Brown. And I think I have a video clip, an older video clip of her just uh, briefly chatting about this. Joyful, then you should be grateful. 
But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is this is the part that really changed my life, that changed my family, the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks share in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals, um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day, they said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do is we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. Audio was a little bad there. I'm not sure why, but uh, as she said, basically, 11,000 pieces of data they looked at, and they concluded that those who experienced joy were people who actually had a practice of gratitude, and not just like being a thankful person, but some sort of practice where they actually did what the scriptures talk about, to give thanks. And notice the scripture didn't just say, be thankful. It says, to give thanks. A practice somehow daily in our lives, both scripturally, scientifically, says, hey, it's going to help you partner with that joy that is in God's life. Um, Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Build deep and profound trust that you are okay in this moment. There is nothing to do, nowhere to go. Just take it in and feel God's love and joy. And this has to do with this idea of you know, that, that fear, it, it robs us of joy. And often it's because we spend so much time thinking about things to be afraid of. And so we, we it, because we're so wrapped up sometimes in the past and in the future, we can't actually enjoy the joy that God is in that very moment. And we did a whole series on that, the book of Ecclesiastes. Remember the smoke? Now life is like smoke. You try to control it. Is going to make you miserable, but to, to just live and breathe with God in this very moment. Because right now in this moment, despite what you're going to do after church or happening tomorrow at work or what happened yesterday, that mistake you made and that fight you're having with your spouse or whoever else, I mean, right now in this moment, depending on your theory of the presence of God, at least mine, 99.99% of you is, 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 is God, is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is His love, His joy saturating your being. And so, Father, right now, we just ask ourselves, God, what is it in my life that blocks your joy from coming through? And what is it in my life that is blocking your joy from coming through? God, is there something I can do about that? Or is there something that you want to do about that? God, what's my next step? And God, we thank you that you are joy and that you are joy in us. God, I pray you'd remove all fear that may have built up in our lives from things and traumas and issues. 
God, that keep us from experiencing deeper joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.